We've had that. Isn't that good news? He's on, been on vacation for the past week. He'll be back in the office tom- tomorrow. And uh, he, he's, he's had some, some health things that sort of kick, kicked, and we've had to fill in for him on the spur, but this is, there's no excuse for how it goes today. I had a week to prepare, so <sighs> it's sort of nicer when I only have like three hours. I, at least I only had three hours. <clears throat> I, um, it, 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 I really am excited to come to speak to you today, to share with you. A lot of times I like to start off with a story of my kids or my dad. Uh, if, if you haven't met my dad or heard the stories of my dad, it, there's some crazy stuff uh, that has always intertwined with when I'm teaching the Word of God. But today I don't have that story to start off with. Um, I'm preaching through a, a narrative of Scripture. That means it tells it's a story of its own. And so I've got some small things, and there will be a story at the end that sort of helps to tie this whole thought. So I'm going to ask you, can you hang in with me today? This is yes, this is no, and this is tough. You know, this is you walking out. Now, I, I need you... Now, when a, a stuttering guy asks you to hang in, then he really means it. You know what I'm saying? Okay, give me, give me a little love. Um, I'm going to give some background on the text. And it's important when you, we approach Scripture. You've heard this before, but let me just reiterate it. Even when you're on your own time with God, it's important when you're reading Scripture to understand the background because the background tells you so much of the, the live story that is going on and the why and the how and the what is usually found in the background. And when we get, go into text without the background, a lot of times we're lost. I talk to a lot. Sometimes I've been, when I get into the Word on my own, I feel lost. And, and it's because I, haven't, I don't know the context. I don't know what is going on and why they feel the way or why they've done the way that they do it. So I want to start with the background. So hang with me for six or eight minutes and we talk about the background of the story because it's key to understanding the story itself. Now the key, uh, one of the main guys in the story is someone that I identify with. Of all Scripture, he is the one that I probably identify with the most. Now I'm not saying that I most like this guy. Uh, because he's done some amazing things and amazing ways for God. His faith for God has been amazing. I, I hope to be like that. Um, but in Exodus chapters 3 and 4, there's a guy named Mo, 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 Moses. That's the way you say his name if you say it in the Hebrew language. Um, I won't do that a whole lot. I'll just do it to show off every now and then. Pastor Mike doesn't talk that way. You know, He doesn't know the Hebrew as well as I do. <clears throat> Moses, and it was great. I want to talk about this guy, and this is like this. This name is going to kill, kill me, but um, you know, it's all good. Y'all are with me, right? You're with me. So Moses, uh, God appears to him in a burning bush, and 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 God says, "I want you to go free my people who are enslaved in e- e- Egypt." And and they they talk back and forth. In Exodus chapter four, verse ten, Moses says this. He says, "But I am I am slow of, of mouth and tongue." Now, we don't know what that means. We, we, we don't know. Evidently, some go, well, he stuttered. Well, we don't know if he stuttered or that he just didn't like to talk in front of a crowd and got tongue-tied. We don't know what it was, but I can relate to that one line about Moses. I identify. Slow of mouth and tongue, amen. That's me all day long. When you can't say your own name, sometimes you're like, dear Lord, what's wrong with me? Okay? So he says that, God, I'm, I'm slow of mouth and tongue. And God, in the next verse, says, hey, who made man's mouth? Who made man's tongue? Who made him deaf, dumb, blind? Am I not the Lord? And that scripture 24 years ago, for me, changed me. For, for two years, I had fought a calling to teach in his churches because I couldn't talk right. And when I read this on my own time, as on my own time with God, that scripture punched me between the eyes, and it woke me up. And I said, okay. Because it goes on to say that he says to God, after God says, who made man's mouth deaf, dumb, blind? He says, but God, I still, no way, I can't do it, I can't do it. And God says to him, fine. I'll send you Aaron, 
you can use Aaron to be your voice. Now, we're going to see in the story that we're at, Aaron is a help to him, but Aaron is also a hurt, a hurt to him. Because he wasn't faithful in this Exodus 4, it's going to come back to bite him some in Exodus chapter 32. And so for me as a young man, I thought, okay, the world's tough enough for a guy that can't talk. I don't need the anger of the Lord to burn against me. He's called me for two years to do this. I'll do it. And that's what sort of pushed me on to my, to where we are today. Amen. Amen. Some of you are like, dear Lord, what have I gotten into? I have no idea. So here's the background of the story. Exodus 7 through 12, he goes to Egypt. He goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people Go, oh, you've heard the story. Good, good. Okay, let, all right. And he uses, uh, the, there's all these plagues that come, and they're plagues of water to blood, and frogs, and gnats, and flies, and locusts, and blah, gross stuff, boils, darkness. And the last plague is the, the, the death of the firstborn. And at that point, Pharaoh relents and says, Y'all get out of here. Get out of here. Your, your God is too big for me. Get out. And they make a trek, escaping Egypt. They're free. Moses, God has used him to lead them to freedom. Exodus chapter 13, it says this. And it's just, I just want, want you to see this. That God leads them as a pillar of cloud by day and a column of fire by night. Boy, I wish God would do that for me. You know what I'm saying? I would just sometimes, I just don't wake up enough. I just sort of get lost in the things of the world. I wish I could. But they see God in a column of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Verse 14, they get to this place called the Red Sea. The Pharaoh's army is bearing down on them. Now, side note, if you've seen the movie from a year or two ago, Exodus, God and Kings, or something like that, those people were doing drugs when they did the movie. Okay? Don't, that, what you saw in those scenes, oh, yeah, I saw it. No, no, that doesn't count for it. No, that's not. The, I just saw clips of it, and I was like, oh. It says that God told Moses to raise up his staff, stretch out his arm. It says that the Red Sea part, parted and there was a wall on the right and the left and the Israelites walked across the Red Sea on dry ground all the way across. When the Pharaoh's army went to chase them, the sea collapsed on top of them and they were destroyed. God moving. Background, this is important for where we're going. Exodus chapter 16, the people begin to whine. We can relate to that, don't we? They even begin to go, hey, we don't have enough food. It wouldn't be better if we were just enslaved again because at least we had some food to eat when we were enslaved. And they start to whine and cry. God gives them manna and quail every day. He provides. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. We're not going to read through them all, but this is the point. And God spoke all these words, and this is what he says to them. In Exodus chapter 20, for all them to know, he says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And he goes on to speak the rest of the Ten Commandments. That's the first starting of the the Ten Commandments right there. And the people are so afraid at the end of that that this is what they say to, to Moses. Now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning, this is in, in Exodus 20, verse 18, and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. They stood far off and said, Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. 
but do not let God speak to us, lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. Exodus chapter 20 is when this occurs. They have seen God in mighty ways from being enslaved to being trapped at the Red Sea to having it part to not having food and God providing food and then God gives his command and they, they hear and, and, and on the mountain they can see God and his power. Exodus chapter 24, God says for Moses to come up on the mountain uh, and uh, he's going to give him the Ten Commandments in, in these, these, these temp- tablets. And so, so Mo- Moses goes up. It says that he leaves the camp with his aide assistant named Joshua. He will have an importance in the very last part of our, our, our day today. And they go to Mount Sinai. And it says that he's there for 40 days and 40 nights. Long time. Right? Have you ever just you sit right here for forty days and four nights? Would that be a long time? I mean, some some of you go. I mean, this is a long time right here. Shame on you. You need to repent. So that's the background to our story. This, okay, and it brings us to where we are. Moses has been gone for forty days and forty nights, but he has led him with God and seeing God at work all this time before. And we're going to reread the scripture that Pastor Chris read. Uh, in the beginning of the service. So it's in Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. We'll have it on the screens, I think, and you can turn to it in your Bibles. And this is what it says. Follow this again. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold that are on in the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their, their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat, drink, and rose up to play. Point one for today. The passage is about this, the sin of compromise. The sin of compromise. And this is the the point one. There's three main points I want you to remember. And the first one is this, that the crowd encourages the compromise. The crowd encourages the comp, 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 compromise. Now, don't miss. From when God told them, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not have any gra- graven image. You shall not. It's been from the time of when he says that to when Moses comes down back the mountain. It's been two months. So we're talking two weeks to three weeks to maybe a month from when God speaks to them. They fear the Lord. They're scared to death. And they begin to, to crumble. That's pretty quick, isn't it? When I was 15 years old, I got a job at the movie theater. And uh, I, would, uh, I would clean theaters. I would um, take tickets. I would work in the per, 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 projection booth. And it was, it was a pr- pr- pretty sweet gig because my job... In, now, 
Not, not only did I make like $3.08 an hour. Whew, that's just not right, is it? But that's what I made. Um, any night of the week, I could take or bring in four friends for free to the movies. Every night, any night. I worked there for about a year. And then after about a year, and can I tell you, in that year, I had more friends than I've ever had in my life. Like, if you combine all of them, that year. And after a year, I moved on from the movies, went to work someplace else. And can you know what happened to my friends? But they disappeared. They disappeared quick. You know, crowds work the same way. As long as you're a benefit to them, they will be on your side all day long. But as soon as you start to turn and go, no, I'm, I'm, we need to be this way or live this way, I need to do this or that, and it goes against, it's not a help to them, they will let you go real, really quick. Did you notice in verse 1, there's an interesting part there in verse 1, it says, uh, the people got themselves together to Aaron and said to him, up, I don't know if he was asleep or just sitting on the ground, uh, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Mo, 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 Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, Moses has just led him out of slit, 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 slavery. He's been their, their spokesman to the, the Pharaoh. He's been used by God to bring plagues and to free them. They were slaves. And all of a sudden, they, they've almost, sounds like they've forgotten who he, hey, as for that guy, that guy Moses, well, I don't know where if he's ever going to be back here. They've totally forgot the movement of God. They've forgotten the, the Red Sea. They've forgotten the cloud by day and the column of fire by night. They've forgotten the manna. They've forgotten the they, They've forgotten it all. It doesn't mean a thing. <clears throat> now, I don't know about, about you, but I relate to this crowd much more than I would ever care to admit. We see God working or have him really move in our lives, and we're convicted, and we're challenged, and we're sincerely going, man, this is what my life is going to be. And we're moved to repent, you know, to turn from, from our sin and ourself, and to turn to Christ, and to trust Christ. And it may have occurred, you know, one thing, I, can I tell you I love about our, our church here? I think every week, Sunday morning, the Word of God is preached powerfully here. That we have a gifted pastor who, who invests the time and, and he preaches it. And there's opportunities week in and week out. I think many in this place are moved, convicted, challenged, touched by God. Not just moved going, that was a nice thought. I believe they're touched by God. I believe in small groups as we meet together in our small groups here at our church, which are very important to be a part of, that as talk goes on and conversation goes and they're talking about the Bible and lives and the Word, I believe that, that God changes and speaks into lives. I believe by faith that every week there's a thing called the edge where this stuttering youth guy talks over there and somehow God can use it to change lives. I believe that in homes, when 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 parents are teaching their kids or talking to their kids about God, that God is in the business of touching hearts and changing lives. I believe that probably in homes, some of the most powerful times that I've had where God has touched my life has been, it, been hard times in tears as my wife and I 
work through life and tried to figure out what God was doing. I believe we're sincerely moved. And we really are intent to go, okay, God. And all those things I've shared, we're going, God, I'm going I'm to live for you. I'm going to change this way. And we start to do that. But all of a sudden, as we start to do that, life happens. And what I mean by that is what we don't expect just gets in the way. And we lose focus. We lose sight. That God that was so big, that's so great, that I know is, is worthy of all my praise. Well, something else has got... Is, is important I've got to deal with right now. And we lose our focus. And just like the Israelites, we forget. The Bible warns us, I believe, about fo- following the crowd. In Pro- Proverbs 16, 25, it says, there's a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death. In this world, this crowd, most time when the crowd calls you to follow it, can I let you know, believer in Jesus it's not going to be going the way of God. Sometimes, sometimes even the church crowd is not the crowd that's going the way of God. We've got to fight to seek after Him. In Matthew 7, 13, 14, it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, the crowd. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. The crowd encourages the compromise. Aaron, I don't think, would have woke up that day and go, I'm going to build me a golden calf for us to worship. The crowd, he, I would say, suckered him into it. I don't know what word they goaded him into it. So let, let's jump now to Exodus chapter, 13, chapter 32, verse 17. Same pa- pa- passage. Moses, Moses has been up on the mountain. God has told Moses, hey, the the people are wrecking. They're wrecked, and I just need to destroy them. We need to start over with you. And Moses is like, no, 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 no. So he comes down the mountain. We get to verse 17, and he comes back down to base camp one, which I would call, they're not with at the camp. They're at where Joshua, the assi- assistant, is, who's been there for 40 days and 40 nights, waiting for Moses to come back. So this is what he says in verse 17. When Joshua heard the noise of the, of the people as they shouted, he said to, to Moses, there's a noise of war in the camp. But he said, it's not the sound of shout, shouting for vi- victory or the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, M- 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 Moses' anger burned hot. And he threw the t- tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink it. The first is the crowd encourages the compromise. Second, the daring denounce the, de- the deception. The daring denounce the deception. And Moses comes down, sees what is going on, and is angry. I mean, not hangry, like he's hungry and angry. He's angry. Have you ever seen your spouse or your mom or dad or a friend so mad about something that they can't even talk? You've seen it, right? You may have been, uh, yeah, I've been, uh, this is sort of, uh, of how he is. And it says this, and some would go, oh, I can't believe he did this. He really lost control. Of he takes the tablets of God that God carved the ten commandments on with his own hand. He takes them and he busts them at the base of the mountain in front of everybody. And you go, ah, 
temper, temper, temper. But can I tell you this? The commandments of God had already been broken by the pe- people. He was just doing a symbolic a- action that showed them what they had already done. They were, bro- they were broken. They, before he got there, they, they had, had made this golden calf, made a graven image. They had an, had an idol. They had a God before God. And what I love about the story, just because, you know, I'm sort of bent like this, he takes this golden calf, he burns it up, grinds up what's left, he pours it into water and says, drink it. And I like that. You know what I'm saying? They're going to, next time they go, hey, someone gets the idea going, hey, let's make a golden calf. Someone's going to go, stop it. Talk about shoving something down somebody's throat. <clears throat> When someone is worshiping or living for something else other than God, and they profess to be a believer in Jesus Christ, do we really take into account that they're deceived and need to be corrected? They're a believer in in Jesus, and they're gone astray. Do we take into account that they're deceived and need to be corrected? And if we recognize they're in sin, do we understand that we, who are fellow believers, are responsible We're responsible to correct them. Now, you might go, oh, but what if that hurts their feelings? They probably need their feelings hurt. I've been part of hard conversations with people that I love who have confronted me about me. And it wasn't pretty, and it wasn't nice, but it was needed. But what if they get upset? But what if I can confront them and they get upset? They'll get upset. Don't expect them not to get upset. Do you get upset when you're confronted when you know you're in the wrong? Yeah, we do. The most abused verse in the Bible, and many people hide behind or use in the wrong way, I believe is Matthew 7 1. It says this Don't judge, or you too will be judged. Don't judge. Don't, don't, eh, 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 don't judge me. I don't know if they do that part. Do you notice? Uh, I get, get, before you get the speck out of my eye, I get the big, big fat tree trunk log out of your eye. We need to understand there's a clear difference between judging and correcting. Because the, the Bible's full of Scripture telling us to correct one uh, another, to re- rebuke, to guide, speak truth into. It's the if you're doing it, going, ah, you need to fix that, and one day you can be like me because I'm pretty good. That's probably that's not right. That's that's more the ju- judgmental. I'm better than you. But look at what it says here in Matthew eighteen fifteen. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Go 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 go. If, if they sin against you, go tell them. And go. Galatians 6, 1, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression or sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. We're, we're called to speak up. 1 Timothy 5, 20, as for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all. Correction. It's part of what our lives are about. The daring denounce the deception. We speak out against it. That's what we're called to do. We move down to Exodus chapter 32, verse 21. The story continues, and Moses said to Aaron, What did 
this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? And Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know the people that they are set on evil, bad people. For they said to me, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what's become of him. So I said to them, let any of you who have gold take it off. So they gave it to me, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. Okay, there's something slightly wrong, right? The crowd encourages the compromise. The daring denounces the deception, and the foolish falsify their folly. He says everything right. His story is about correct, almost word for word, in a lot of ways of what went on until he gets to the point of, of sort of how he got, he got the gold, that they gave me the gold. He actually specifically told them what gold to give them and how to get it. And so then he says, I stuck the gold into the fire, and the Hebrew there, I think he meant right, it went poof, and out came this calf. Miraculously, this calf came out of nowhere. In Exodus chapter 32, verse 4, it says this, the real story, and he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. Who made the calf? Aaron made, made the calf. The, and, you know, could a calf make itself? No. Someone had to do it. We live in a society today where leadership across the board, whether it's political or executives or movie star folks, when confronted with doing something wrong, always have an excuse of why it's not their fault. And never really come, well, I didn't know that that department was doing that. I didn't know this was going on. The foolish falsify their folly. <clears throat> Don't miss this last point of the story, <clears throat> because comp compromise, no matter what it is, costs. Look at this in verse 26. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered round him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp. And each of you kill his brother, his companion, and his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And that day about 3,000 men of the people fell. Great cost to compromise. And there's always a cost to compromise, whether there's a, a physical cost, or in this story we see death, but there's an emotional cost to compromise, and there's a spiritual cost to compromise. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you compromise, do you understand that the spiritual cost to compromise might be partially on you, but many times it's on those around you? It's serious. The dec decisions we make, the choices we make, affect and can lead to spiritual death in people around us. So it's not really a game. I've got a story I, I want to share. Um, and I, I'll tell you, I, I had this message planned for about a week, but I haven't had this story planned until Friday mor morning. I was going for a, a good run, a couple miles, and uh, the story popped in my head and it really worked. And, I, and part of me goes, oh, I don't want to share this story. Oh, uh, because it's gonna, it, it'll cost me, and you'll you'll find out where. 
Um, but I need to, need, 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 need to share it because I really think it, it works. You know, it's really cool when God te- teaches you things through your kids. I've got five of my own. There's a 15-year-old, 12-year-old, 10-year-old, 7-year-old, and 3-year-old. I know, we're crazy. I'm getting old. <clears throat> now, I love it when uh, they, 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 they teach me things, and I'm a much better youth pa- pastor now uh, for the past 15 years than I was the first six before I, I had kids. I understand the home a lot more. I respect the parents a lot more. I, I feel and really empathize where I couldn't before. Um, most of the time, I really love to learn things from my kids, that God will use them to teach me things. But sometimes, can I tell you this? I hate it. And this is one of those times. <clears throat> you see, I've got two kids in my home, live under my roof, that are in my youth group. One is in ninth grade, one's in seventh grade. One's been there for four years, one's been for two. And so every week, not only do they hear what we talk about about God and teach or whatever we do at home, but every week uh, in the edge on Wednesday night, they hear me teach from the Word of God. And on small groups, they hear me teach. Uh, and so that's a, that's a neat thing. That's a nice thing. That's cute. But sometimes it's just a pain. few months back, really I think back in June of last year, I was teaching that night in the edge on, on parents and honor your mother and, and, and father. Very important thing for youth, youth to know, right? Amen? Okay, come on now. And, um, and I taught them that night and I was explaining one of the points I explained was that God gives us the authority of our parents in a right parental relationship. Some I'll note this, some parental relationships are, are way out of whack. They are rare, but they are there. But in right parental relationship a, a student has with a parent, the parent gives, you, gives the, those parents t- to that student so that student can learn to respect authority over them. A, a, youth, a young person or youth should not make all the decisions for their, for their lives. They think they know better, but they don't know better. So God gives them parental authority, one to guide them, but one to teach them to respect authority. And a student or young per- person who never learns to respect the authority of his parents will have a very hard time in life ever learning to respect and honor the authority of God. That parent relationship te- will teach them that. They will never learn or have a hard time to learn the authority of a boss who they don't like or get along with. I know none of you have ever had a boss that you just struggle with because we always get our dream jobs and everything else. I can't talk about my boss right now because it wouldn't be appropriate. That wasn't in my notes. So that's what we learn. We learn we got to deal. We got to respect this authority. So I had taught that, and you know, three kids had heard it. I thought that night. I felt like it was a pretty good night, and um, and so a month has passed. And so I'm being the cool, cool dad, taking my kids to the movies, movies. And uh, so I load up. I've got, I think, four kids. We load in the car. Now, if you don't know it, going to the the movies costs you like uh, it's like a a mortgage payment on your house nowadays, right? That might be it. Might be a little more than that. Okay, it's it's just to get in for us four and me. It was it's like fifty bucks on a good day. And then the popcorn, large popcorn we get that we sort of share back and forth um, four times, you know, as we refill it, that's $9, right? So we're talking 59 bucks there. So, so for me, and this is just, y'all need to, y'all are going to think so less of me. Just for me, I've been like, dude, I'm giving them 
59 bucks to go to the movies. I'm going to bring my own Coke, Coke in, right? Right? You ever do that? Take, take your, don't confess it right now. Stuff my Coke in my pocket. I've got, I actually had a, a pair of shorts that are nice. We won't talk about it. But so, so, I, so we're going to the movie. I'm going to take them. I'm loading up these Cokes uh, because I'm already giving 59 bucks. Okay? So really, I can bring in a Coke. I like my Coke at the movies. And I don't really, I just don't like paying $6.75 for a Coke. So we go to the movies. It's a great time. I'm excited. Kids are pumped. We're going to just do this fun thing for this one time. We start to get out of the car. And, um, and so my smaller kids don't have the pockets big enough for the Coke. So I've got it just loaded up and I'm hunched all over like this, walking like, hey, how's it going? Yeah, you know, just got to go to the bathroom. You know, just trying, you know, you know and, um, and I see there's a Coke left sitting in the couple, cup hold, 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 holder of the car. So I look, and I look up, and there's my 14-year-old son at the time, and he doesn't have his coat. I said, bud, you going to get your coat? He goes, ah, eh, I'm not going to take it in. I said, but you're a 14-year-old boy, refusing a coat? You, you dying? What's going on? He said, well, you know, you're speaking about authority and stuff, and there's a sign on the movie thing that says no food or drink from outside. I've done this for 25 years. <laughs> and this punk kid... <sighs> so I, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, oh, it was right. So I have a crisis of belief right there. That moment, kids didn't know about it. It took less than one, one second, but in my head it went for minutes. As I went, uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. do I go, all right, buddy, it's your loss. Take my coke in. <laughs> Or do I go, okay. Or, you know, and you hear this, well, that might be your conviction, but it's not mine. Well, that's this cop-out. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm just stubborn. I'm not going to change because I want my way. I mean, that's what that really is. We're honest with you. So I say to my kid, all right, hey, put your Cokes back, back in the car. <laughs> my kid's like, Joseph's going, what? Put that, ah. I said, ah, put it back. So we put our Cokes in, and we walk into the movies. And I watched it without my Coke. And I have, um, I don't think I've had a Coke in the movies that I snuck in since then. I've thought about it an awful lot. Awful lot. And listen, my son, great kid, still punk, uh, he messes up too. He just got one thing right once. Okay. Sitting right there. Um, I had a choice. At that, that moment, do I go, dude, just shut up and get your Coke and go in. I've been doing this for a long time. God says it's okay. See, we think we can say that, right? Y'all understand me. You're laughing because you're with me. Um, but I understood something at that, that, that moment. I teach my, my son every week. I teach kids every week. And if I'm going to compromise on this, then he, there's no telling what he will compromise on later down the road. I've got to show them that the Word of God is true, even when we don't like it, when we don't think it's not fair. I could use up every excuse. I pay them this much money. But the truth of the matter is this. I don't own the movie theater. They own it, and they can make the rules. I can make the rules in my house, but I cannot make the rules there, and I need to respect the rules that are around me. 
Because every compromise has a cost. Everyone has a cost. So even as I struggled on my run going, I can't tell that story. Because if I tell that story in church, I am really bound to not sneak a Coke into the stinking movie theaters. That's what my heart is like. Okay, just, ah! Compromise. And sometimes we go, man, I want... I just want God to, to use me. Just use me. And if he can use me in a big way, that, that, that's great. God, God, God will, I think, wants to use us in mighty ways, but only when we're faithful to him and we honor him with our lives. And when we, we, we don't count the small stuff as bad, why is he going to use us for the big stuff if we're not f- faithful in, in the small stuff? And one thing I love about the story, because it's a harsh story, it's a compromise. The, the crowd encourages the compromise, daring denounces the deception, and then the foolish falsify their, their folly. But in the midst of this story, there's one that's committed. There's one, not counting Moses, I'm not counting, he was with God, so that's cheating because he was with God, so he was safe. But there's one more that was committed, and it says in Exodus 24, that Lord said to Moses, this is before the story, come to me, come up to me on the mountain and wait there that I may give you the tablets of stone and the law and the commandment which I have written there for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua and Moses went up into the mountain of God. It says that it seems like Joshua goes with them out of the Israelite camp and they go up to part of the mountain and there's sort of a base camp where jo- Joshua, the, he and Moses are there for, for six or seven days while the cloud, there's a cloud on top of the mountain and God is there. And God calls Mos- Mos- Moses to come up the rest of the way on the mountain. So for 40 days, Moses is up on the mountain. Joshua is at base camp. And what signs of commitment do I see in him? Well, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's a servant to, to Moses, so he's supposed to, to help and aid him however he's called to do. And evidently he was said, he was told to stay here and wait for me till I get back. For those that want to be lives that are committed, you do what you know you're supposed to be doing. Well, I don't know what else I should do. That doesn't matter. Just do what you know you're supposed to be doing. And when you keep doing that, the other stuff will come into play. Now, it may not come into play in an hour or a week or a day, but Joshua is doing what he was supposed to be doing. And we know that he stayed there because in Exodus 32, verse 17, it says that they hear the noise coming from the camp when they're on their way back. And he's like, what's going on? Is there a war? Is what he asked. Joshua asked, is the war? So he's not gone back for snacks. He's not gone to see his friends. He's been faithful to stay where he's supposed to be committed person is faithful to stay where they're supposed to be. He didn't just stay there a day and go, oh, he's not going to come back. I'm going to go. didn't just stay there for a week. He stayed there for 40 days and 40 nights. And the other thing I see in Joshua doesn't come together until Numbers 13, which is about a year after Exodus 32. It says that the Israelites get to the promised land for the first time. They're at the edge of it, and they send out spies, 12 spies, to go check out the promised land. Ten of the spies come back. Now, this is the land God has said, this is your land. I am your God. I will go before you. No one will stand against you. Ten of the spies come back and go, it is a land of milk and honey. It is a beautiful place with everything that we need. 
but the people there are like giants and they are many. And we are like grasshoppers beside them. We can't go in. What the ten say? Two of them come back and go, and their names are Caleb and Joshua, the same one from this story. Come back and go, man, it is a beautiful land, a land of milk and honey. And there are a lot of folks in the land, but you know what? Our God is bigger and, and greater. And if God has called us to go, then we must go. What I love about this picture, because it's such a picture, where did he learn to stand up and be bold? Exodus chapter 32, when he was an assistant to Moses, and Moses made him drink the golden calf. said, y'all, y'all are wrong, get right. The daring denounced the deception there, and the daring denounced the deception here. Committed. It's a picture of commitment. And um, just a side note to that last story, ten of the spies, the ten spies die. That said, we can't, we can't go. That the Israelites want a wanderer for 40 more years before they go to the, the promised land. The only two adult men that are allowed to go in are Caleb and Joshua, the ones who are faithful. And when Moses dies, as they go into the promised land, Joshua becomes the leader. It's so clear why God chose him to lead, isn't it? And we want God to use us for big things, but there's compromise throughout our life, and we wonder why we're not being used. Why am I not making an impact? You know, the greatest example, as, as we wrap things up today, of commitment, it says it in, throughout the Word of God, but he, Hebrews 12, 2 says, fixing our eyes on G- Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he knew what he was going to face, says he endured the cross, he despised the shame, is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Commitment. He knew what he was going to face, and he faced it anyways. And he didn't just face it for his friends or those that were for him. In, in Romans 5, 8, says that God dip, dip, demonstrates his own love us for that while we were yet sinners, when we were still sinners, in rebellion against God, Christ died for us. Commitment. That's the most beautiful picture of commitment there is. Let's um, choose to live lives where compromise doesn't take a foothold. And when it is brought to our attention, we need to do something about it. Get it out and be committed. You know, when Commitment begins to melt the way it becomes compromise. It starts off as commitment. May we be a people of commitment that are firm in it. And when we see someone struggle, may we speak up in love every, every time. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for your word, your truth today. We thank you that you love us and want to use us in spite of and even while knowing who we are. God, I just asked um, during this time, this, just we reflect on your word, and, and Lord, just ask, ask as you may speak to, to, peop, to people specifically about compromise that needs to be confessed, and, and they need to repent from and turn from and, and turn to you. Lord, help us to be bold in this place, to have courage to follow where you lead, no matter the cost, no matter the sacrifice. 
for you are so worth anything we could give up, anything we could give up. Of course, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The altar is going to be open at this time. Uh, if you just.